0: The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $100 at WinBet and get a $100 free bet. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Ross we're brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. Use promo code NFCBEAST for 15% off active until the Eagles or Giants lose their next game. everyone to the nba gambling podcast part of the sports gambling podcast network it is friday october 21st here to break down the schedule in the nba and joining me to break it down today is my main man on all over sgpn host of multiple shows on the network it's scott studio rachel scott how's it going my man
1: Doing pretty well. Uh, Ended up having a decent day in the NBA. I know that the Sixers' first half didn't come through for us. In fact, the Sixers at all just didn't come through for any of us. But that's why I'm a little bit annoyed at myself, because on YouTube, since I give out free picks every night, I actually did give out the Clippers. I just, for some reason, did not lock up the Clippers, so I'm kind of annoyed at myself. But I'm happy they ended up covering, and I know that all three of us, with with Terrell included, of course, hit the dog yesterday which was nice I know you and him both had Beverly for one and a half steals at I believe what was that plus 170 plus 170 yep so that got there Idle LeBron double double that got there and uh overall can't complain technically profitable uh when you catch the dog and you lose the lock but the Sixers man I mean that that's just inexcusable what happened in that game
0: it, it really is um I was having a conversation with some other buddies in a a group chat, and I I posed a question. I was like, how long before Embiid wants out uh, of Philadelphia? Embiid or Harden? Embiid. Okay. I mean, look, Harden has his guys there now. There's no reason for him to leave. I mean, Daryl Morey's there. I was kind of just joking
1: because Harden's jumped around (laughs) to like three different teams in the span of about three, four years, but still.
0: Yeah, and again, he didn't speak to um, reporters after the game, did Embiid, so – It'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of transpires in Philly. I know it's it's only two games, but this team just does not look very good right now, especially um, especially on the offensive side of the basketball when you have talents like Joel Embiid, you know, Tyrese Maxey, and James Harden. Harden looks good, but he, he's going back to that ISO ball where everybody else is kind of standing around and watching him.
1: No, and it was a classic final possession. First of all, Embiid threw it into the fifth row. It got deflected. It should have been Milwaukee ball, so they got lucky they had a second shot. And then you saw Harden with the ball, and you figured, all right, he's going to drive into somebody and do something stupid. And he ended up driving into Drew Holiday. Great defense, by the way. Not even close to a foul. And then he chucks it up at the backboard. It doesn't go in, and he complains about a foul. I mean, we've seen the same exact situation down the stretch in the final 20, like 10 seconds of games from Harden for a long time. That part didn't surprise me. It was the fact that with Middleton being out, you still couldn't win against a Milwaukee team that you're going to have to beat in the playoffs if you want mm-hmm. to come out of the East. And they were missing their second-best player or third-best player, you know, 2A, 2B there, and yeah. you still couldn't win. But I do want to ask you, though, about the Sixers since we kind of talk about Embiid because he had zero points in the entire second half. Mm-hmm. I know we've given Aluka a lot of crap for the last couple of years of perhaps not being in shape for the start of the NBA season. Yeah, Is it mere? or does Embiid look out of shape?
0: He, Yeah, it seems like it. Um, he doesn't have – I mean, I don't know if it's he's still dealing with injuries or if it's just – moving he's in getting,
1: slow motion in the second half.
0: Yeah, he just doesn't have that explosion like we've seen from him, especially like around the basket and – it maybe it's a conditioning thing because a lot of these guys, well, not a lot of them, but like you mentioned, Luca, uh, they played in that Euro basketball tournament over the summer. So they came in into shape this summer. Um, I don't know what Joel Embiid was doing over the summer, but yeah, you're right. He does look like he's not in shape right now um, for the Philadelphia 76. So again, another team with more questions than answers as we only are he'd, in he'd two what? games. He
1: had 15 and nine at the half. He finished with 15 and 12. So even besides the points, you're telling me you can get three rebounds in the entire second half in your draw one bit? Like something's not adding up there.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, as we kind of continue the season. I know they had a rough schedule to start the season as well, so we'll keep an eye on the Sixers.
1: you have any takeaways on the other game? I have a couple. Um, I'm going to ask
0: you first not really i mean it's it it almost seems like i look i think we got to give lakers credit for the way they battled back um especially Twice. that first half i know you yeah you tweeted it out i needed them in the first half i took the plus two and a half it looked cooked at right after that first quarter but give them credit defensively they played well uh but it was just it's just you you mentioned it that this the the bench difference between these two teams is a night it's a night and day difference right and i think that's really what was the difference here, especially in those times where when Nkwai checked in or or when Paul George went to the bench, it was John Wall looked good. You know, uh, Covington had a, a great defensive game. Uh, Luke Kennard put The ball in the basket. They had Kawhi Leonard coming off the bench. He only played 21 minutes. I
1: thought Zubak um, and uh, Joe were, co- were the co MVPs for yeah. the game for, for the Clippers, but
0: yeah, 14.17 rebounds. But again, outside of, I mean, look, they got contributions from Lonnie Walker last night. He didn't have a great shooting night. He was not, you led the team in shot attempts. How yeah. the hell is Lonnie <laughs> Walker leading your team in shot attempts? And you had three guys that finished with 20 or more points last night, but it just wasn't enough for the uh, Lakers. But I guess you. The only part you do got to give them credit for at least battling it and making it a competitive game at the end of the first half and then into the fourth quarter. What were your takeaways?
1: So, first of all, I will give the Lakers props. I thought they were going to roll over in the second quarter, and they did not. They came all the way back, and then they ended up doing the same exact thing again in uh, in the fourth quarter when the Clippers opened up another 15-point lead, and they almost they ended up blowing that one too. Yeah, My main takeaway was really for the Clippers, because we know the Lakers stink. And I could come out here and roast Westbrook for going 0-for-11 and then saying that he played solid in the postgame press. That just made me laugh, if I'm being honest. That was, I just thought that was pretty funny. But I don't think anyone surprised that Westbrook was awful. What really surprised me was how soft the Clippers were. And I think that this team has problems and it's kind of reminding me of Philly in a way. I think it's all mental. Okay. I think the I, I understand that Kwai and Paul George, you know, haven't played in a while, and they are on some minute restrictions. And Kauai's first minutes came midway through the second quarter. Yeah. But some of these possessions down the stretch for the Clippers were really just inexcusable. And there was one possession where they were, <laughs> I believe, they were up four with like I don't even know twenty seconds left. And John Wall ended up having to settle for, like, a 30-footer. Yeah. And I think there might have been one pass in the entire possession. John Wall was bit, was very, very close to committing an eight-second an eight second count. Yeah, Then they ended up having uh, maybe one pass to Kawhi, but they didn't really do anything the entire possession. And then yeah. John Wall had to chuck up a shot at the end. I thought the Celtics were – not Celtics, sorry. I thought the Clippers were just awful down the stretch of the game. And – We saw it even in the bubble under Doc against Denver in about three games in a row. It seems like they just love to play with their food. That game should not have been close last night. The Clippers opened up two separate 15-point leads, and they let the Lakers hang around and even lead in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. I'm happy the Clippers covered for me. I don't care about people claiming it's a bad beat for the Lakers. It wasn't. Was, the Clippers deserve to cover that game. They're up, two, they're up by 15 points two separate times. I don't want to hear it. But the point is, <laughs> I thought the Clippers were incredibly soft the entire fourth quarter, and there's no way that the Lakers' best run or best lineup came with 80 on the bench. 80's yeah. on the bench. He gets hurt halfway through the game. He comes back into it. But you see LeBron, Toscano, Anderson. You have Beverly, Lonnie, Walker. Like, you have to dominate the game. And the Clippers just refused to do that in the fourth quarter, and they let an inferior by a large margin Lakers team hang around. My main takeaway: I thought Kyle Lu was awful yesterday, and I thought the Cl- I thought the Clippers really just looked soft, and that's the issue we've had with this team for about five six years. They'll like get the exact same team we've seen from years past.
0: Yeah, I think that you're you have. I think not. Well, is that yeah. harsher? Do you agree? Because I I, I agree partially. I I think the whole dynamic of bringing Kawhi off the bench midway through the second quarter, I'm sure that was their game plan coming into this game.
1: It was when they were in the game, too. Like, I thought Kawhi was good and aggressive when he was in. I thought Paul George sucked last night.
0: Yeah. And I think maybe it's, you know, it's only game one of 82. Maybe I'll, I'll give them a pass and continue to watch this team because I think for Ty Lue, he knows that John Wall. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are all coming off of major injuries especially dealing with you know I forgot what the issue was with Paul George but with Kawhi and John Wall it was more of you know their knees and and things like that so I don't I I I, I agree with you to a certain extent but I think that also um, it was game one of 82 and I think that it's ridiculous that they did give up those two 15-point leads and that it Looking at the game, watching the game, like you they mentioned. Like they were up 20
1: the entire game. Yeah,
0: and, and, and that's what it was, right? They were up, what, 15 after the first quarter, and they let them back in. So
1: Twice. I mean, yeah. They are up 15 again in the third quarter. LeBron yeah. went to the bench. They immediately went on like a 12-0 run, which is expected. Yeah, And then it seemed like they just stopped caring. And yeah. I'm not telling you straight up this team's not going to win a bunch of games in the regular season. I think they will. But the idea that you have your arch-rival team, the Lakers, yeah. in you know, technically a road game, but you get the point. It's There, there are always going to be more Laker fans than Clipper fans in the arena. True. There's no excuse for you to let your foot off the gas in the first game of the season against your arch rival. And the fact that the Clippers were already showing signs of just disinterest several times during the game, yeah. we've had the same exact issue with the Clippers for about five years. And I'm at least putting, I'm at least calling them out for it. I don't think they're going to do well in the playoffs if they keep playing like that. I'll tell you that much.
0: Yeah, hundred th- percent. I think that again it's it's one of eighty-two. We'll see if this team improves and and you know they, they can overcome uh being soft, I guess is what we're trying to say here. But I think that this team is fully capable, fully capable. We saw flashes of it, but they just weren't able to execute down the stretch. So I think that's 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 what's gonna fall on Tyloo's uh shoulders here. So we'll see what happens with the Clippers. Again, um all the talents there. If, yeah, if
1: they play like that or if they keep having these issues in the second half or when they have leads, Golden State is going to yeah. beat the crap out of them in yeah. a 4-7 series, yeah, and it will not 100%. be close.
0: Yeah. All right, before we get into the Friday schedule, let me tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, Win. Thinking of joining Wynn Bet now is the perfect time. New customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. And are looking to join the Wynn Bet Biggest Winners Club. Well, whoever hits the biggest parlay on WinBet odds-wise gets a $1,000 free bet. Last week's winner of the biggest winners club was a New York better who hit 100 to 50 to 1 parlay on all live money lines wagering for $110.40 to win $16,743.56. WinBet truly is hashtag DGENs only. There's so much to choose from it. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com WinBet so they know that we sent you that sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change terms and conditions at WinBet.com. Must be 21 years or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Scott, let's get into this Friday schedule. Plenty of games on the boards. We'll go through each one as we do as usual. And we'll start with the first game on the schedule. It's gonna be the New Orleans Pelicans headed to Charlotte to take on the Charlotte Hornets. Currently seeing the Charlotte Hornets over on Winbet are a six and a half point road favorite here. Total is sitting at 229. Money line minus two sixty for the Pelicans and plus two ten for the Charlotte Hornets. Check a look at the injury report for both of these teams. We know Lamelo Ball is out with the ankle sprain. Cody Martin is also doubtful for tonight as he battles a left quad. Uh, soreness issue for the Pelicans. Questionable tag for Jackson Hayes, who's dealing with an elbow issue. And we know that Kira Lewis and EJ Liddell are recovering from ACL injury. Uh, game one for the Pelicans, we saw them dominate the Brooklyn Nets in easy fashion. Um, Zion looked great. Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, in their core. Guys just went out and played basketball. They got the victory, I believe it was, what, 132... 108. Yeah, 108. Brandon Ingram loved the team with 28 points. And then for the Charlotte Hornets, they took care of business as well against one of the league's worst teams, if not the worst team, in the San Antonio Spurs, 129-102. The Charlotte Hornets scored thirty at least 30 points in each of the four quarters against the San Antonio Spurs. But... They're stepping up in class here against the New Orleans Pelicans here. Scott, minus 6.5, road favorites here for the Pelicans. What do you think?
1: So I took this one overnight. I got the Pelicans at 5.5 because I felt I knew this one was going to go up. I had to take it. Okay. Uh, even though both teams dominated in their first respective game, I think we can agree that the Pelicans wins a lot more impressive when yes. you win by 20-plus against the Nets compared to 20-plus against the Spurs. 100%. And go, to go through the actual box score or the overall team stats for that Hornets game, they shot 13 of 29 from three, so they shot about 45% from three, and you're looking at the rebound, the rebounding numbers. They won by seven, so good job there. Uh, the story that I think is going to dictate this game, though, is actually the Hornets losing the points in the paint battle. They lost 58 to 54, despite winning the game by 20 plus, mm. and they're facing off against New Orleans. I'll tell you what, for team stats, New Orleans should lead the league in, in uh, points in the paint because they just have so many options. And you're looking at who San Antonio has as big men. You have Pirtle, and that's basically it. Yep. You're looking at what the Pelicans have, and they have just a bunch of depth. I know Jackson Hayes might not play. He's a decent backup center. Mm-hmm. But the idea that you're going to try to send the likes of P.J. Washington and Mason Plumley to deal with Valanciunas. And Zion and Ingram coming through the lane. And we know that McCollum's also not afraid to go to the glass and uh, and slash a bit in the paint. I just think the Pelicans are so much more talented than this team. And I don't think it's really close. I just think that San Antonio is an awful team. And the head coach, Pop, told us they were going to be terrible. Indirectly, but you can kind of read between the lines there. They had the lowest win total in the league. I saw the Pelicans absolutely manhandle the Nets. And I know the Nets are a team that a lot of people like and they think there could be some chemistry issues early on. I didn't care. If you watch the game, you could just tell that this Pelicans team is crazy. And I know that we were high on the Pelicans before yeah. uh, the season started. We both liked Willie Green to win uh, Coach of the Year. Yeah. And the Pelicans, to go through the numbers here, I know the Nets are more of a finesse team because they have Claxton playing center. Mm-hmm. But the Pelicans out-rebounded the Nets 61-39. to Yep, and they outscored the Nets in the paint, sixty-two to forty-six. Yep, I think they're just grown men compared to the Hornets and Richards from the Hornets. Who I like the Kentucky. He had twenty and ten off the bench against San Antonio. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's going to happen again. But the point is, I just think the Pelicans are the much more talented team. I love that overall roster, and I think the Spurs are actual garbage. I think that the they, let's just say the Hornets. If they had Wamello, maybe I'd make a case, but I'm not going to in this one. I think the Pelicans are just different animal than the Spurs. Give me the Pelicans.
0: Yeah. Uh, everything that you just mentioned there, look, Zion, BI, and CJ uh didn't play more than 31 points. So, oh, sorry, 31 minutes. But again, that game was out of hand. So those guys could like, get some extra rest and didn't have to play extensive minutes. But all three of those guys finished with at least 20 or more points uh, in that game. Um when you mentioned it, uh, that was going to be my handicap as well. I 100% agree with you that these guys are just going to dominate inside the paint against this Hornets defense. You already know how I feel about Mason Plumlee. Um, and He's again, your yeah, him and Bob Barton, if I had to start a team, yeah. uh, Zion Williamson, BI, you, you nailed it that these guys can get inside the paint at will, finish around the basket. And you read the numbers there against the Nets, and I think that's just what's going to be the key here tonight for this Pelicans team to crush this uh, Charlotte Hornets team. So, uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, minus six and a half. I love this all the way up to minus seven. So uh, if you're watching live or, or, you know, if you like the Pelicans, I would go ahead and grab them now because this number is definitely on the move. Any and thoughts now the on the
1: plot, by the way, the fact that with one basketball, Ingram and Zion and McCollum, they all look comfortable with each other.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the key, right? That if you have guys that are willing to play with you, play with each other, share the basketball, that's going to only lead to wins. And I think that's yeah. what this team just really cares about right now. It's just piling up the W's and against the lesser competition of the Eastern Conference, like a Charlotte Hornets team. That's where the uh, Pelicans, you know, are going to take care of business. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on the total here, Scott? I didn't
1: really have much. I think it's either over or pass, but okay. I couldn't really fully evaluate what to think about the total because I really cannot tell if San Antonio's trying to lose less than 10 games this season. I can't really tell what I'm supposed to take away from that Hornets game. I'm impressed they showed up and dominated, but. We- I mean, San Antonio, the lowest win total in the league. Yeah. They're supposed to be awful. So yeah. I think people might have underestimated just how bad this team was supposed to be. I'm going to link to the over because I do think New Orleans could score 125 in this game or so. Mm-hmm. And Charlotte did play faster than I thought that they were, they were going to under Clifford. It's over or pass, but I feel better
0: about the side. All right, let's get over to the next game of the night. It's going to be the Chicago Bulls headed to the nation's capital to, against the Washington Wizards, where the Wizards are currently a two-point home favorite over on WinBet. Total is sitting at 222.5, plus 115 on the money line for the Chicago Bulls, minus 135 on the money line for the Washington Wizards. Look at the injury report for both of these teams. Um we know about Lonzo Ball, he's going to be out for an extended amount of time, and Zach Levine has also been ruled out as he is injury man or inj- injury management for his left knee. Uh, for the Wizards, we did see Danny Avdia go down with a right ankle sprain in game one against the Indiana Pacers. Corey Kispert is also out with a left ankle sprain, and Vernon Carey uh, Jr. is also out. He's dealing with uh, he's actually in the concussion protocol for the Wizards. Uh, game one, uh, sorry Chicago Bulls an a impressive I'm sorry is what I'm trying to say victory over the Miami Heat they took care of business there DeMar DeRozan I believe dropped 37 points in that game and the Wizards uh, squeaked out a victory against the Indiana Pacers now Chicago heads to uh, Washington DC to take on the Wizards here like I mentioned as a two-point road underdog here Scott what are you thinking about this game
1: this line seems very, very trappy, yeah. and I can't tell if it's just because of the fact that the Wizards are favored and they're the inferior team based on preseason projection or the fact that I thought the Bulls looked better in game one, and yet it's, the Wizards are favored at home here. You use the key word or the key two words there, squeaked by the Indiana yes. Pacers. I Congrats, I guess. I mean, you won the game. Indiana is supposed to be awful. Chicago went into Miami, and they ended up winning that game. DeRozan went to full-on midseason MVP mode last year. He was absolutely crazy in that game. I think since it's too early in the season for me to tell what exactly is a trap line and what's just a bad line, it's a little early. I think this is a bad line. I'm going to go with Chicago. The Wizards, uh, Porzingis looked good. Beal looked pretty good. I know we both cashed on his points in the prop cast by about a hook, but still – I'm going to go with Chicago here because Miami is a team we were high on, and it could have gone really badly for Chicago. They were down double digits early. We thought Miami would roll them potentially, and Chicago hung tough, and I think that you'll see points in this game, but I do think that the Bulls are just the more talented overall team, and I think you're getting a good price. So for me, I don't think the Wizards should be favored in this game. You beat Indiana. I'll take the team that beat Miami on the road.
0: Yeah, I think that, that I like the spot for Chicago as well. Uh, you mentioned it. I think these lines are a little looser than what they should be here. But, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan did DeMar DeRozan midseason form uh, MVP things. Uh, got contributions for Vucevic. They got also from Io DeSumo, who finished up with 17 points. Gordon Drogic off the bench. Kobe White off the bench. toward double figures. So they're getting contributions from the bench. And I think that obviously that's only going to help the um, – the Chicago Bulls in the absence of uh, Zach Levine. Uh, I actually did watch the Washington Wizards and the Pacers game because I did. Have I watched the- a bit of it, too. Yeah, uh,
1: um, they were fine. You know, like yeah. Indiana is just really, really bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's the same thing as the Spurs, right? Like we're expecting uh, Indiana to be not as bad as the San Antonio Spurs. But I mean, they are going to be in the bottom of the barrel of the uh, Eastern Conference uh, there. But how good you know, the
1: for look in that game, by the way? He looked really good to me. He looked really, really good.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs> a did. whole
1: separate point. But was really good in that opener.
0: Yeah. Uh, but Kuzma in that game, you know, 22 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, Porzingis had a double-double as well. Briel, like we mentioned, had 23, and they got contributions off the bench from uh, Daniel Gafford and Will Barton as well. But I think this is a better, obviously, a 100% better defensive team with the backcourt that I think Dasumu and A.C. A- a- Caruso can play against his backcourt of the Washington Wizards. I also do like the um at the Bulls here as well. So give me the plus two and the money line as well for the Chicago Bulls in this game. This line actually opened up minus one to the Chicago Bulls and they actually flipped the other way to the Wizards. I'm but assuming
1: think- it was the Levine injury news because he yeah. missed game one. People right. thought he might be questionable. He's been ruled out. But as a reminder, they beat Miami without Levine in the first place. Yeah. I feel like... I don't know how many points Levine is worth, but he might be a bit overvalued to start the season because they beat a much better team without him a couple days ago.
0: Yeah. Uh, thoughts on the total here, Scott?
1: Uh, for this one, I think I'm going to lean to the over, but I really don't have a strong opinion on this at all. Uh, Chicago offensively did well against Miami's defense despite missing mm-hmm. Levine and company, and they scored 116 points. Meanwhile, Washington's offense, he kind of hoped to play a little bit better because Indiana was supposed to be the worst defense in the league or up there. Uh, the Wizards had moments where they kind of dominated, but it seemed like they kind of took their foot off the gas in the second quarter in particular. They yeah. shot 45% or so from the field, shot 35% from the, from three, a little bit more than that, but they had 17 turnovers. I think I'm going to lean to the over, but I really have no strong opinion on this total at all. I, it's a complete pass for
0: me. Yeah, I, I couldn't get to the total here either. Um I think that if the Bulls do win this game, I think it goes under the total. Uh, but in no really strong opinion there. I just do like the Bulls on the side and the money line here as well. All right, let's get over to the next game. Uh, Scott, two teams we just talked about at uh, at volumes. It's going to be the San Antonio Spurs heading to Indiana to take on the Pacers. Currently seeing the Pacers as a two-and-a-half-point home favorite.
1: Does it excite uh, you that we're in, our, we're in the middle of our first tank bowl matchup and we're about three <laughs> days into the season? that yeah. make you happy
0: oh uh, yeah uh 232 and a half is the total currently seeing the money line plus 115 for the spurs and minus 135 for the indiana pacers injury report uh aaron neesmith is questionable left foot soreness jalen smith also is uh questionable with right knee soreness daniel tice is out i didn't know he was with the indiana Pacers. oh he came over that brogdon trade uh miles he'll,
1: he'll get bought out at some point he'll be in a contender halfway through the year
0: yeah uh miles turner is also out for this game he had the injury uh in game one when they were warming up uh and i think he tripped over a ball boy's uh foot and rolled his ankle so he's going to be out for at least a week don't see one for the spurs yet but i don't think it really matters here scott let's just uh start with the side here pacers minus two and a half against uh the worst team in the league san antonio spurs
1: yeah i'm taking the pacers I watched some of that Wizards game. I thought they looked okay. Uh, I thought that if you want to talk about overall depth, I don't mind McCollum being a backup point guard. Halliburton looked really good. Heald had moments there, and Matherin looked really good. So I do think that there are some pieces there for Indiana to build upon moving forward, and I do think that at home, Indiana might not be good this year, but we know that Indiana is a prideful basketball state. They'll have people in the arena. They'll show up to the game. I think that's going to help. San Antonio is prideful, too, at home. Unfortunately, the players weren't because they lost by 30 on their home floor to the Hornets. But I'm going to go with the Pacers. The the Spurs, I knew they were going to be bad. You can't lose by roughly 30 to the Hornets without their two best players from last year on your home floor. That can't happen. Give me Indiana. They hung around against Washington. I didn't get the job done. Give me the Pacers.
0: Yeah, I think this is a game where I think we just see Tyrese Halliburton and and Ben Matherin and then Buddy Heel and those guys just go off against the Spurs team. And we talked about it against the Charlotte Hornets, they give up at least thirty points in each of the four quarters. Uh, Terry Rozier had a great game, twenty four points in that game. So I think that you know this is going to be a game where the guards really shine for the Indiana Pacers. Um, hopefully Jalen, I thought Jalen Smith also looked pretty good for them as in the in the yeah. starting posi- or starting uh, center position with the absence of Miles Turner. So. Yeah, I think that this is a game where I think Pacers on their home floor, in their home opener, um, win against the worst team in the league, uh, minus two and a half. As far as the total, Scott, I think probably you and I both agree it's over or nothing.
1: I'm not taking an under with these two teams, but yeah, (laughs) I'm going to go with the over, but I do like Indiana. Maybe an Indiana team total over, but at home with with the underrated young core that they have, San Antonio I think is just good is just a lost cause defensively so yeah. yeah I'm gonna go with the Pacers team total over and pr- pretty much the full game over as well
0: yeah I'm currently seeing um Halliburton's points at 17 and a half so I, I love that here for tonight what I don't do you have again 26 in the opener I think. 26 in the yeah because I took it uh I think when you and I did the prop cast I took his I think points and re- assists to go over but it got over, but his points were at, uh, I want to say it was 17 and a half as well for game yeah. one. And I don't understand why it's only 17 and a half.
1: Uh, they're afraid he's not going to shoot enough because last year he was very passive a bit. But since he has the ultimate green light, Mathurin comes off the bench for now. Not for much longer, but for now he does. And Healed is a good shooter, doesn't really set up his own shot. He's mostly yeah. a come off screens guy and mm-hmm. try to, you know, he needs a facilitator for that. So Halliburton does have the ball in his hands all the time.
0: Yeah, look, he had a team high 36 minutes and uh, led the team in shot attempts as well, uh, with 18, did Halliburton. So I think that's just going to continue throughout the season. Finish up that game with 26 points and seven assists uh, for Halliburton. All right, uh, before we get over to the next game of the night, uh, let me tell you guys about No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Playing pick-up contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills with versus a house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet up to five player prop over unders or individual player matchups across every major sports leagues, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with promo code SGPN at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not how you play but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Wasber brought to you by Babbel. If you're like me there's a foreign language that you regret not learning in high school. Um, it's and it's never too late to start with Babbel. Babbel is a language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions and thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you can finally cross learning that new language off of your list. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete, to complete a lesson, so you can start having real-life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers and not computers. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent, and you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. So right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babble.com slash SGP. That's babble.com slash SGP for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. All right, Scott, let's keep it going here, my man. The next game on the board is going to be a 740 Eastern start between the Detroit Pistons headed to the Big Apple. to take on the New York Knicks. I'm currently seeing the Knicks as a seven-point home favorite here. Total is sitting at 219 money line plus 225 for the Detroit Pistons and minus 280 for the New York Knicks. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these squads, Marvin Bagley, we know is out with a right knee sprain for the Detroit Pistons. Alec Burks is also out dealing with a right hip soreness for the New York Knicks. Pretty clean. Other than Quentin Grimes is out with a left foot soreness. Uh, we did see, uh, in the first game of the regular season, the Pistons, um, did they win their first game? I don't remember. Let me see here. Uh, it was a fun
1: game. They came back yeah, they to got, yeah.
0: yeah, they beat Orlando by four, 113-109. And we also see saw the Knicks. They fought. They did their best. They took it to overtime against the Memphis Grizzlies. But eventually, the Grizzlies prevailed, 115-112. Um, Bogdanovich led the team in scoring for the Pistons. But here we are with the Detroit Pistons headed to the Big Apple here as a seven-point uh, road underdog. What do you think about this game here for the New York Knicks?
1: So I get the idea that the MSG is going to be a decent home court advantage with the crowd in the season opener. The Knicks were not good at MSG last year. <laughs> I feel like people don't realize that they really were not good. And Trello always talks about how you go to MSG, the mecca of basketball, quote-unquote, usually get your best effort from the opposing team. Yep. I think seven's absurd. Like props to New York for hanging around against Memphis and losing in overtime. It was a very good game. You know, Reg was very good, and they ended up almost winning. Did not give me Detroit money line here. I like Detroit. They're a young, hungry team. I don't think the Knicks should be laying seven. And when you're talking about the overall difference between either preseason expectations or just the overall roster, are these teams really that far, like far from each other, or are the Knicks just a bunch of veteran guys? The Pistons are a bunch of young guys. But in terms of talent, I thought preseason, we kind of thought they would be, what, like the 10 and 11 seeds?
0: Yeah. I think well, We thought uh, they'd be
1: next to each other. I think right. seven's crazy. And I we saw R.J. Barrett play terribly against Memphis. I think he could continue to struggle here. Ivy looked really good. I thought Cade looked good as well. The issue might be the front court, but Mitchell Robinson's a good rebounding center. I'm not sure if he's a good overall center or if he should be a bench player for most teams. But Boyan, I like as a stretch four, who Randall might have to guard. I don't really know if I like that matchup for Randall having to move away from the basket. Give the Pistons' money line. I think this team's feisty. We like this team before the season started. It's a good underdog spot. I'll take the money line, especially with them getting seven. I think that, I think that spreads crazy.
0: Yeah, I love the seven here as well uh, with the Pistons. Look, last season you mentioned it, that this Knicks team – was 17 and 24 straight up and uh, against the spread. They were 16 and 25 in home games. I quickly want to filter this down and see how they were as a home favorite last season. Uh, the New York Knicks last season, 11 and 14 against the spread as a home favorite. So yeah, you mentioned, I mean, look, this Detroit team is going to be exciting to watch all throughout the season. Uh, you know, we talked about Jay Nivey look good. Cade Cunningham, you bought in, Bogdanovich as a, you know, a shooter next to those guys. Um, and and again, this team is young and hungry, like you mentioned it. I think that this is a way too many points for a New York Knicks team that I still feel like is working through some kinks now. Bringing in Jalen Brunton, Brunton had a great game one, but I think that R.J. Barrett, like you mentioned, just wasn't all that impressive to me either. So, and again, like Terrell says, you're going to get the best best effort from teams coming into Madison Square Garden because, again, everybody wants to put on a show in New York, and I think that Jay Nivey, Kate Cunningham, those guys are going to get it done here. So I do at least like them to cover the seven here. Um, thoughts on the total here, uh, Scott, at, sitting at 219?
1: I think I'm going to lean to the under. I don't exactly feel great about it, but the Pistons' first game ended up landing 222. You had 67 points in the second quarter, and you had 62 points in the third quarter. The first quarter had 45. The fourth quarter had 48. And the Knicks game went over in the end, I believe, solely because of overtime. Yeah. So I, I do think this number might be a bit inflated because of the Knicks overtime results because that led to a higher scoring total in the first mm-hmm. game. Plus, Memphis wants to play fast. I'll go with the under. I think you'll see a very competitive but also ugly at times game. I'll take the I'll take the under with this one.
0: Yeah, obviously very small samples here from game one, but um, New York was 25th in pace after one game. Uh, and let's Sounds see. Sounds like the- Tibeta. Yeah, Detroit Pistons were uh, below league average at 18. Obviously, it's only one-game sample, so we'll be keeping an eye on these numbers. But, yeah, I think we see a slower-paced game here as well. I would lean towards the under this game as well. All right, getting over to the next game. Maybe the game of the night. Uh, Looking for a bounce-back spot here for one of these teams. It's going to be the Boston Celtics headed down to South Beach to take on the Miami Heat. Currently seeing the Boston Celtics are a a minus-two-and-a-half-point road favorite here. Uh, The total is sitting at 219. Minus 135 on the money line for the Boston Celtics and plus 115 for the Miami Heat on the money line. Um, looking at the injury report for both of these teams, we know about Gallinari and Robert Williams. Also, Victor Oladipo for the Miami Heat is, uh, continues to be out. And Omar Yurtsevin dealing with a left ankle issue. But other than that, pretty healthy squad for both of these teams. We saw the big, impressive victory by the Boston Celtics in game one against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, they wanted to push the pace, and they did. Uh, outscored the uh, Philadelphia 76ers 24-2 to in transition. Miami Heat, I think, was probably the biggest shocker of the night of this, since they dropped that game on their home floor in their opener, 116-108. Defensively, this team <clears throat> sorry, just didn't look good. But here we are with the Boston Celtics, minus 2.5. Road favorites in South Beach here. Scott, what are you thinking about this game?
1: I'm taking Boston. I think <laughs> the line's too short. I like the fact that extra time off since they played a day early as they had the uh, opening opening day. So yeah, that definitely gave them a little bit more time to prepare for this one. But I do think transition is going to be the story. I mean, you said it was 24-2. So yeah. the, for comparison, Miami and Chicago tied at 8-8 to in fast break points. So I like the fact that Boston wants to run. We know Miami wants to slow the game down. I don't think they'll be able to. And for Miami, I don't want to get into a full rabbit hole here because it's very early, but I do have to bring it up. Are we sure Kyle Lowry is not washed? I think so. It might sound hard. It's early, but... Somebody's got to talk about it. Yeah, it's early, but... It's early. We saw it in the playoffs that we got hurt. Game one, he went one for seven. He had two points, five rebounds, four assists, four fouls, three turnovers. Like, I, I get it's early, but... You're paying him that much money, and as of right now, it looks like dead money because Lowry really can't move anymore compared to where he used to be at. I think Lowry is a serious problem, and I think it's worth monitoring. But he looked brutal in Game 1, and now he's going to have to deal with the likes of either Marcus Smart or Brogdon on him. I think Lowry gets smothered tonight. I think he's going to have another terrible game. But when your point guard is giving you basically no production, you're already at a disadvantage. And I think Boston, if DeRozan can go for thirty-seven, I think Tatum could go for thirty. Brown, I think, can play well too. I'll take Boston. I like I like how they're playing with pace. I like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, give credit to the the new head coach Joe Mazzula. I mean, for he's preaching let's let's push the ball down the floor, and they have the guys to do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, until I see improvement, I know it's again it's it's very early on in the season, so we, we got to kind of take this stuff with a grain of salt, but. Um, I didn't like what I saw from Miami in Game One, especially defensively. Right again, I think you have a better offensive team coming in with the Boston Celtics at once to push the pace, and they are going to push the pace, uh, especially with guys like Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, like you mentioned. It, I think it's a superior team right now. So I, I'm going to lay the points here as well. Mine's two and a half with the Boston Celtics. Thoughts on the total here at two nineteen? I'm going to lean to
1: the over. Boston, I think, is going to be mispriced for the majority of the early portion of either the month or the first half of the season because they want to play fast. And I feel like any time a team changes ideology offensively, mostly with pace, the oddsmakers are going to be behind because a lot of their metrics and numbers are based on last year and based on projected models. They're playing totally different, and I think it's good for betters if you want to take overs on Boston games because I think that the oddsmakers will be a bit slow to adjust to it. We know Miami wants to slow the pace down. We know Boston wants to speed it up. It worked well in game one because Philly wants to play slow. If if it worked in game one, you'll probably do it again in game two. I like the over because I think Boston's going to control the pace.
0: Are you going back to the Jason uh, Tatum double-double?
1: Uh, I'm tempted by it, but I don't know because Adebayo was so bad in game one. I'm kind of hoping for a bounce back for him. He was awful in game one. I mentioned Lowry, but Adebayo was really bad. I don't know if I'm going fully back to it, but I definitely like it. Maybe for points and rebounds if you want to go for a combo prop there. But, yeah, I, I just think at the end of the day, Tata will have a lot of chances for rebounds. Mm. But, yeah, I, I definitely – it's not going to be better than that plus 255 odds that I found. I would, actually, never mind. I take it back. Tata yeah. double-doubles plus
0: 320.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's 320. I can't really say no. All right, you've convinced me.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I, I think that in the absence of Robert Williams, the opportunities for rebounding, I think – I was looking at this for game one we were talking about it, that it just goes through the roof for – Jason Tatum without Robert Williams on the floor for rebounding purposes. And again, we saw that in game one. Uh, despite even Embiid being in double-figured rebounding, I think that Jason Tatum is going to be that guy rebounding the basketball again. So I think that if you don't want to play the double-double at plus 325, his rebounding prob right now, so that's seven and a half, add plus money. Uh the over on that. Plus yeah. money. Yeah. All right, uh, let's keep it moving here, Scott. Next game on the schedule, it's going to be the Toronto Rap- Raptors headed to take on your team, the Brooklyn Nets. Currently seeing the Brooklyn Nets as a two and a half point uh, home favorite here. Total is sitting at two twenty-seven. Money line plus one twenty for the Toronto Raptors and minus one forty for the Brooklyn Nets. Looking at the injury report for both of the squads, I am currently seeing. For the Toronto Raptors, uh, Kim Burch is questionable. Left knee swelling. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Boucher is dealing with a left hamstring strain. And Otto Porter has been ruled out for this game. He's also dealing with a left hamstring strain. For the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Joe Harris is probable with a left foot soreness. TJ Warren continues to be recovering from the left foot injury. And Seth Curry is going to be out uh, for the first couple weeks for the Brooklyn Nets. He's going to be out for this game. Uh, big game for the Brooklyn Nets here as the Toronto Raptors come into town. They are a two-and-a-half-point home favorite here. Uh, Scott, what are you thinking about your Nets here in this game against the Toronto Raptors?
1: I'm going to take the Raptors in this one. Uh, the Nets, I thought going into the season would have issues early on with chemistry and with getting Simmons back into either shape or just into overall, I'd say, comfort with this you know, roster with Durant and Kyrie. Joe Harris helps the three-point shooting. The problem was they gave up 130 points. Yeah. Now, the Pelicans are a great offensive team. We love that team. We can't really, you know, we, we, we'll talk about the Pelicans and praise them every time we can because we love mm. that team. But Toronto had a very nice win against the Cleveland team that we like, and it was a very competitive game. And Toronto came out on top because the veterans really step up. They're extremely experienced, not just in the league, but with each other because they've been around with each other for so long. And Ben Simmons fouled out in like 25 minutes. Kyrie was awful. Durant was really the only player who showed up for the entire game. Claxton actually played decently. I mentioned his double-double in that game. I I don't remember. I don't think he got there in the end, but he threatened to get there. But he had a decent stat line overall. I'm going to take Toronto, though, because I know what I'm getting from that team. I don't know what I'm getting from Brooklyn right now. And with the uncertainty, especially laying points after getting smacked on their home floor in the first game, I like Toronto. I think they're the better coach team. I think they're the deeper team. And I think Seth Curry's absence is pretty big, but defensively, the Nets are still not very good because they don't have much rim protection. So give me Toronto uh plus the two and a half and the money line. And they win the game outright.
0: I found it very, very odd and very, very funny that Ben Simmons fouled out with only playing 23 minutes. You knew the uh,
1: first minute that he was matching up on Zion, <laughs> they were absolutely screwed from yeah. the get-go. But
0: yeah. um yeah, as much as I want to take the Nets here, I think it's it's a bounce back spot. I think the the one thing that does make me nervous is what you absolutely nailed there is the chemistry because you have two new starters in the starting lineup with Royce O'Neal and especially Ben Simmons still trying to maybe figure out what his role is going to be on this team or or how he's going to kind of play in. So um, you have the more polished team, team or a team in the Toronto Raptors that we know is not going to lay down. They, we saw the come-from-behind victory against the Cleveland Cavaliers in their game one um, on their home floor. And I think that they have the guys to maybe slow down Kevin Durant. He still had 32 points in 32 minutes, but outside of Durant, Kyrie did not have a good game, 6 of 19, 15 points he allowed. Um, I'm curious to see how well the Toronto Raptors shoot from three-point land here because if you gave up 12 of 26 for 46% to the New Orleans Pelicans – you have guys like Fred Van Vliet, O.G. Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr. coming into your building now that are all, I think, better shooters mm-hmm. than the guys on the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. So I think that's going to be another thing to watch in this game. And again, what you just mentioned there, Scott, the coaching mismatch in this game, Nick Nurse and against Steve Nash, I think that's all advantages right now to the Toronto Raptors. So for me, it's really a wait-and-see approach as how things work out for the Brooklyn Nets team. But I think that you kind of have to take the plus points here with the Toronto Raptors, but I definitely am going to be watching this game for sure and just kind of see how Brooklyn Nets kind of went through the kinks here. Um, By the way, total? I, did, I,
1: I did confirm that a Klaxon did have a double-double yeah, in the first game. I was going to mention that, and yeah. And I know that line closed at plus 475. I talked about it on the propcast. So Are you going back to gone. that? Uh, Especially with
0: like no big man really. For I really the should because right? New
1: Orleans has so many big men and they were killing the Nets the entire game and Klaxon still got there. I plus should 30. take it. But I guess I'm a little bit concerned with the minutes for Claxton. I thought he'd play a bit more. He ended up playing uh, 25 on the dot. I was kind of hoping yeah. he'd play closer to 30. But we nailed it. Yeah, we
0: said if he plays at least 25 minutes, he's going to at least 25 or more minutes, he's going to get that double double. So right now, I'm the it of it.
1: being a fan of a team, you know, you know why yeah. the team should be playing and what the role the guy should be. Claxton yeah. is the main big man that they have, and yeah. I still think that it's a good spot because Toronto doesn't have many quality big men. They have Siakam mm-hmm. playing center half the time, stuff like that. But yeah. I don't know if he's going to get there. But either way, it was, not, it was a nice to cash that one. I forgot about that one, actually. But yeah. still, I do think at the end of the day, Toronto is mispriced. I'll take Toronto.
0: Is Sharp the backup center for them?
1: Yeah, that's the point. He's like a second-year rookie getting into foul trouble all the time. He was in the yeah. G League for half the year. They don't have many good center options.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think I at least do like – I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on that. Uh, we'll talk about more on the podcast with Ryan, but I think Nick Klaxon over eight and a half rebounds seems like a solid bet tonight, uh, especially against this Raptors team. Um, all right, let's keep it moving here, Scott. The next game, I'm sorry, I didn't ask you about the total.
1: Oh, uh, 227. I don't really have many thoughts on the total, to be honest. Because I'd probably look
0: at a Raptors team total.
1: Yeah, that's probably how I would look at it. The Nets are are not a good defensive team, but Toronto is, so it could yeah. go either way. I have no interest in the overall full game total.
0: All right. Let's get over to the next game of the night. It's going to be, as I lose the page, um, all right, here we go. Well, next game on the board, it's going to be the Orlando Magic headed to the ATL to take on the Atlanta Hawks. Currently seeing the Hawks as a nine-point home favorite here. Total is sitting at 225. Uh, Moneyline is plus 315 for the Orlando Magic and minus 415 for the Atlanta Hawks. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, I'm currently seeing Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's going to be out for a little longer. I was watching this Rockets game, and he did a live interview. said he doesn't have a timetable for his return right now. Um, That's the only significant injury for the Atlanta Hawks. For the Orlando Magic, Cole Anthony is officially questionable for this game. He's dealing with illness. I don't think he played in that first game for the Orlando Magic. Um, Markel's Fultz, we know about the left uh, toe injury, the fracture that he has. Gary Harris is also out. Jonathan Isaac, we don't know when he's going to return. And Mo Wagner is also out for this game. So some significant injuries for the Orlando Magic. Atlanta Hawks, uh, especially between Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, looked really good to me in game one against the Rockets. But, again, it is the Rockets' defense. Uh, Both of those guys finished up with uh, 20-plus points, and they both had 10-plus assists in that game. Trey Young, 23 points, 13 assists. DeJounte Murray, 20 points and 11 assists. Not a great shooting night, at least from three-point line for both of those guys. They went combined two of 14. Trey Young was responsible for one of nine from that floor. But, Scott, uh, Orlando Magic going into Atlanta tonight, nine-point road underdogs here. What are you thinking about this game?
1: So, Trey did not shoot well. I watched this game as well. And Orlando hung around, very competitive game. Boncaro looked incredible. Uh, He had a debut that hasn't been seen since LeBron, so that tells you how good he was. Uh, Wagner was good. Carter was good. Suggs at 21 points. I thought he looked very sharp as well. Yep. I don't don't think Atlanta should be laying nine points. They really didn't look great against Houston, and I know that they ended up winning the game. Congrats there, but they really let Houston come from behind several times to make it a game when the game probably should have been over already. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to take the points. Orlando's a young team. Once again, they're kind of feisty, but Atlanta... They're good. I don't think they're great, and I feel like this line's pricing them as being a somewhat great team because Orlando's not bad. They're not a you know they're not good, but I do think that they have talent on that roster. I'm going to take the points.
0: Yeah, I think that it was again a fortunate cover as well for the um, for the Atlanta Hawks because Jabari Smith fouled. I think it was Trey Young with I think it was like four seconds left. For no reason to do that, and I think the coach even mentioned it to him that hey, you didn't need a foul there. But uh, yeah, give credit to the Rockets; they they kind of hung around. I know they're working through um, some. Uh, it seems like they're playing a lot of players in the rotation, and I think that Silas is trying to get as many minutes for those Rockets players. Mm-hmm. But for the for the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks, I mean, look, it, with Jontae Murray and Trey Younger, expected them to have a better shooting out. Obviously, like I laid out the numbers there, but. Um, I, I, really, we talked about this when we were previewing the Eastern conference, Scott, is that uh, at least I was higher on this Orlando magic team. I think the most of the market, they had three separate guys that scored 20 plus points for them, uh, in that game. You mentioned, uh, Bankero had 27 Wagner finished up with 20 and Jalen Suggs had 21 points in that game as well for them. So they have a squad, man. I know they're missing a lot of key guys, but I think they can stay competitive in this game here as well. It's really difficult to lay these big numbers, in the nba this early on i think there's a lot of um at least for the for the atlanta hawks because you kind of just take a look and say hell it's uh it's deshante murray it's trey young they should just roll this um team but i think i think there's maybe a a, could be a size advantage for the orlando magic in the front court here because from what i was watching from that rockets game john collins just loved to hang around that corner three-point shot kind of like pj tucker so i think for Bankero and wagner i think they should have some success inside the paint here even though they are going up against capella but yeah i like the plus nine here as well do you have any thoughts on the total for this game
1: i think i'm to lean to the over okay. uh atlanta shot the ball pretty poorly in that game against houston and i think they'll shoot better orlando defensively wasn't exactly great uh they had a, there were a low, there was a low scoring fourth quarter involved which resulted in this game ended up landing 222 because he had 67 in the second quarter and he had yeah. 62 in the third quarter. I think Atlanta gets it going a bit, so I'm going to go with the over, but I do, I do like it uh Orlando team total over because I do think that this team can actually score.
0: Yeah, uh let me see what that number is for the Atlanta, sorry for the Orlando Magic, 108 currently over on win bet. That sounds uh, a bit too low for me. Yeah. All right, uh, let's keep it moving here. Next game on the board, it's going to be a 8-10 Eastern start with the Rudy Gobert, or Rudy Gobert's former team, coming into town to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Currently seeing the Minnesota Timberwolves are an 8-point home favorite here. 227.5 is the total, plus 265 on the money line for the Utah Jazz and minus 340 for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Looking at the injury report for both of these squads. Uh, Pretty clean for the Utah Jazz and for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. I do not see one. Huge, impressive victory for the um, Utah Jazz over the Denver Nuggets in game one. I think they won that game wire to wire, Scott. I think we talked about that on the – I watched it, yeah. Yeah. Um, They get the 123-102 victory there against the Denver Nuggets, and we saw the Minnesota Timberwolves. Also get a victory in their home opener. Uh, I forgot who they played on. Like the uh, Thunder. Yeah, they played the Thunder, and look, Thunder were competitive in that game. This feels like a lot of points here, Scott. Talk me out of it, but hey, I think you're going with the Jazz here too. What are you thinking?
1: I am, and I'm I'm sad the Thunder didn't get there. I gave them out as my dog at plus four thirty. I have no apologies. That was a very close game for the entire second half. And Oklahoma City was dead in the water, outscored them by 13 in the third quarter. Then the wheels kind of fell off down the stretch, which was expected. But the Thunder, here's my main takeaway from that game. So the Timberwolves as a front court have Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. Mm -hmm. The Thunder in the starting lineup had Pokashevsky and Williams. Right Now, I know that the bench came in. They kind of used a lot of guys. If I asked you, based on that starting lineup, how badly do you think Minnesota (laughs) out-rebounded Oklahoma City?
0: At least like what we saw with the Pelicans and Nets at minimum.
1: So what if I told you that the Timberwolves lost the rebounding battle to the likes of uh, Pokashevsky, Williams, and the entire bench, because Oklahoma City actually out rebounded Minnesota 57 to 55.
0: That is worrisome.
1: I don't know how that happens, but still, the point is, I like Utah because unfortunately, though there's good and bad news. The bad news is I had Jokic triple double against Utah, and that wasn't close. The good news is I got to scout Utah. This team wasn't actually that bad. And yeah. I'm looking at the overall center depth this team has. Mm-hmm. I really like Walker Kessler. Yeah, I
0: was going to mention that.
1: He's really good. I, <laughs> yeah. I watched him come off the bench, had a double-double. He looked very comfortable out there. Vanderbilt was a savage. He had 12 rebounds. He did a great job defending Jokic. And Sexton was good off the bench. Rudy Gay was good off the bench. Even the starters, Markkinen looked good. Conley looked okay. Clarkson was okay. The point is, I actually think Utah has a lot of good bench pieces. And Minnesota's bench is atrocious. And we talked about that before the season started. And I still like the under on their win total. I like Utah. People are going to talk about this team being awful. And we thought they'd be awful because everyone did. But I watched them play. This team has a certain energy to them. And they can shoot from the outside. I like their overall just big man depth. And I think that Kessler could give this team problems. If you get out-rebounded by OKC, I have some serious concerns about your team moving forward. Give me the Jazz. I think I got a shot to win the game, but I'm going to go with Utah because I like what I saw in game one.
0: Yeah, I love the points here with Utah as well. I mean, you take a look at this bench. When you have Colin Sexton, Malik Beasley, and Walker I didn't Kessler. mention Beasley. He had like 15 in the first game too. He was yeah. Cool. They had four guys off of their bench uh, that scored in double figures. Uh, Vanderbilt only played 18 minutes. I don't know if that's by design or if it was just a – He miss, was uh,
1: great in those 18 minutes.
0: Yeah. I wanted to take his rebounding props again, but it makes me nervous that he only played uh, 18 minutes, but he still was able to grab grab 12 rebounds um, against the uh, Denver Nuggets there. But, yeah, I mean, look, this Jazz team, they have – They have ball players on it, man. I know it's a squad that just kind of put together with the trades of Rudy Gobert.
1: They have no stars, but they have players.
0: Yeah, they've got a lot of good, I think, above average role players on this team. And I think that they're just going to be a fun team to watch. They know that they're not going to be good or or competing for a playoff spot. Who knows? They might shock people and and just mess around and get into the playing tournament. But they're just going out and playing basketball. And I think we saw that in game one on their home floor. Uh, now, I know they're going on the road here, but I think that for this Minnesota Timberwolves team, they're still trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to work in Rudy Gobert and, and the chemistry issues too, right? And I think that we saw in game one that he led this team in scoring, did yeah. Rudy Gobert, which is kind of alarming to me. Um i want to see anthony edwards just didn't have a great shooting night four of 17 one of seven from the three-point land russell was then, pretty good yeah russell was seven of 16 he finished up with 20 points and then carl anthony towns also not a great shooting night two of ten
1: he also uh, didn't with, rebound i don't yeah.
0: know. yeah he only had six but rudy Gobert yeah. led the team in rebounding with 16 but the point is i think we both yeah we do like both uh the utah jazz here any thoughts on the total here scott i'm leaning towards the over in this game at 227 and a half but what are your thoughts
1: Uh, By the way, you mentioned why Vanderbilt only played 18 minutes. Uh, He fouled out. (laughs) So he was battling foul trouble the entire game. Uh, He should be playing more. But Vanderbilt was incredible in that game as an unsung hero glue guy. Uh, For this total, I am going to take the over. Utah was playing very fast. It seemed like they ran Denver out of the building. Mm -hmm. And Minnesota wants to play fast, too. Or at least I thought they would try to play slower with two seven-footers. That was not the case. They were going very up-tempo. I like the pace. But Utah was really, really focused on pushing. And if they were able to get uh, Jokic to fall behind in the play because of his, let's just say, deceptive quickness, can we say that? He's not exactly the fastest guy as a center. Gobert isn't either. So if I'm Utah, I'm trying to go up and down the court, and I'm trying to score before Gobert can plant himself in the block uh, block shot spot in -hmm. the paint, I'd keep going fast. So I like the over.
0: Yeah, uh agree with you about the over in this game. I think it's all about pace for these two teams. Minnesota was uh the third or tied for the third fastest pace, at least in the first game. But again, and OKC's all slow
1: as hell. So that means yeah. Minnesota definitely chose to go fast.
0: Yeah. All right. Three games left on the schedule here, Scott. Let's get over to the next game. It's gonna be the Memphis Grizzlies headed down here to the H to take on the Houston Rockets. Currently seeing the Memphis Grizzlies are a six and a half point road favorite here. Total sitting at two thirty-two and a half. Moneyline minus 260 for the Memphis Grizzlies and plus 210 for the Houston Rockets. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams. <clears throat> Jayshon Tate is going to be out for the Houston Rockets. He's dealing with a left ankle soreness. Ty Ty Washington also left ankle, sorry, left knee sprain. Uh, that's pretty much it for the Rockets. For the Memphis Grizzlies, Dylan uh, Brooks is doubtful. He's dealing with the left thigh soreness. Danny Green, he's recovering from left knee surgery. We know about Triple J and also Zaire Williams is also out with right knee soreness. We talked about the Rockets uh going into Atlanta. Uh, didn't have a f- great first quarter. I know you and I were both on that over in that game, but that first quarter was kind of killed it. But I thought the Rockets looked uh they looked, looked okay. okay. Yeah, I think they're still trying to figure out things on offense and, and what they want to do here, especially the amount of talent that they do have. Memphis, we talked about it. They went into overtime with the New York Knicks and squeaked out the victory there. Now they come into Houston As a six and a half point road favorite here, Scott, what are you thinking about this team, uh, or sorry, this game between the Rockets and the Grizzlies?
1: So, the one thing that shocked me in that Houston game was the fact that they out rebounded Atlanta by 16. I didn't see that happening with the likes of Capella and Akongwu. I thought that they would actually do a good job on the class. Fernando was actually very good. For Houston as a starter and I'm kind of curious what his role is moving forward offensively still can't shoot so that kind of might that might have killed the spacing for the offense but defensively and rebounding wise he was good I think he also had seven assists so Fernando had a good game there but I'm gonna go with Memphis I think it's a very good spot for Ja to just go nuclear Mm -hmm. he's against the likes of Porter Jr. who plays no defense at all and Jalen Green who doesn't play much defense either the rim protections either Fernando or Shangoon we saw that Morant was phenomenal in the first half against the Knicks, then kind of went cold or quiet for a quarter and a half, yeah. then had the game-winning layup, which was an impossible shot that was, uh, ended up not mattering because of a charge call. It was the right call. It was clearly a charge, but still. Yeah. Uh, Morant, I just think, is going to have a field day in this game. Maybe a points prop over on Morant. I think he could go for 40 here, to be honest. But I do think Memphis will do a lot better on the glass than Atlanta did against this Houston team because you still have Adams, you still have Clark, you still have Tillman. You got a lot of quality rebounding big men. Yeah. I think that's going to be the story of the game. I'm going to take Memphis and then just get too many second chance points.
0: Yeah, John Morant, 28.5 for his points prop. Um, Over. I think he goes for 30-plus. And then I went, uh, you mentioned the rebounding ones as well. I was curious for Steven Adams. Uh, let's see here.
1: And Adams Steven- should play a lot, actually, if Fernando's going to play because yeah. Fernando can't shoot. So Adams can Not- just guard him and stay in the paint.
0: Yeah, nine and a half for uh, Steven Adams here. Yeah. Um, yeah, as much as I do want to take the Rockets here, I think it's just going to be too much for them to handle with John Morant. Um, yeah, I was looking at his points prop as well. We saw the success that both Johnson Murray and Trey Young had, but it's really pretty much the John Morant show right now for the Memphis Grizzlies. And as he goes, this team goes. And I think that defensively, so questions for this Rockets team. I know you mentioned the rebounding battle that they did win, but it was just not a great shooting night for the Atlanta Hawks uh, in their Game 1, uh, especially from three-point land. They were only 28%. Did overall shoot 50% from the floor. Um, but I think that John Rand's going to be able to get to the rim at will here. Um, didn't see who were there, some of the other l- uh, leading scores for the Memphis Grizzlies in that game. Uh, let me pull up their. Well, box they're using score. some
1: spot starters, and you yeah. ended up having Aldama, who had a very good game.
0: Yeah, and his I see his number at thirteen and a half. He played a what team high thirty nine minutes. He also finished with eleven rebounds in that game as well. Um, and they had three different guys in that starting ro- uh, starting lineup that had ten or more rebounds for uh, their team. Adams, like you mentioned, uh, fourteen points all uh, Aldama had 11, and then uh, Conchar also had 11 rebounds. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Memphis Grizzlies here as well. I like their first half as well for the uh, Memphis Grizzlies in this game. Uh, John Moran, points prop, like you mentioned, also rebounding props for uh, Steven Adams in this game as well. Any thoughts on the total here? I think with this Rockets team, it's probably over or nothing for me at least, but seems a little hair high for me. I don't know what I'm going to get out of, offensively out of the Rockets if they have a good shooting night or not.
1: I think I'm still going to take the over. It seemed like Houston, every chance they could, was trying to run. Just Atlanta played slower than I thought they were going to. And they also didn't shoot well. Memphis wants to run. There's Mm -hmm. no reason to not want to run when you have Morant, who's a one-man fast break. So I like the over. I don't see much defense being involved. Now, I do think you'll end up seeing Houston shoot a little bit better, mostly Jalen Green, who just did not have a good game at all in the opener. I'll link to the over because I really don't exactly trust the overall defense for both teams yet especially with triple J being out, who's a great rim protector, but I do think that the pace will be there. So I'm going to lean to the over.
0: All right. Yeah. Houston was tied for number three, as far as pace in game one with about four or five, seven other teams. But again, small sample, I think we'll get more data as we kind of go along for the first two weeks here. All right. Two games left on the schedule here, Scott, uh, probably the game of the night is going to be the Denver nuggets headed to uh, the Bay area to take on the golden state warriors. Currently seeing this is a four-and-a-half-point home favorite for the Golden State Warriors. Total is sitting at 229-and-a-half in this game. Check the injury report for both of these squads. Nikola Jokic is probable he's dealing with a right finger sprain. Jamal Murray is questionable for this game officially. Uh, he is dealing with, again, the, left, uh, the ACL recovery, but you also mentioned that he uh, buckled his knee or, or had a knee issue in the game first game. Uh, So he's officially questionable. Pretty clean for the Golden State Warriors. Everybody is a go in this game. Um, This line, I know we were talking about this offline here, Scott, that this line opened up minus 5.5 for the Golden State Warriors and has now moved to minus 4.5. But I'm starting to see some fives pop up for the Golden State Warriors here. But uh, tough loss for the Denver Nuggets in game one. We talked about it with the um, Utah Jazz. And, again, Golden State in Game 1, at least against the Lakers, looked like the best team in the NBA again with all their guys healthy. But what are you thinking about this game? Do you think Denver has a chance?
1: I took the Warriors overnight at 5.5. I feel like an idiot, but I still think they're going to cover. I like the Warriors minus 4.5 here, especially at home. Uh, I just said I watched the entire Utah-Denver game, and Denver looked awful on both sides of the ball. They weren't really close throughout, throughout the entire game. Uh, Utah was able to shoot the lights out from three. I believe they made 16 threes, and they also attempted 31 free throws. In other words, Denver's defense was really, really, really bad. And then you remember that Michael Porter Jr. was back, and you kind of remember why they were so bad at defense. But <laughs> uh, also Jokic, you know, not being a great rim protector. But the issue that I had with Denver wasn't even just the the defense. The offense looked disjointed as well. Yeah. Uh, Jokic didn't have many assists. Uh, Porter was okay. The supporting cast wasn't great. But the bench really was underwhelming for me. You have Jeff Green. You have Bruce Brown. I know we both like Highland, but he's mostly a three-point heat check guy who can occasionally Mm. be a microwave. But I don't really like their bench, and Utah's bench absolutely killed them in this game. Poole was awful game one. We expect him to play better. They still have Kaminga. They still have... Di Divincenzo, I thought, looked pretty good in limited action. Wiseman, I thought, looked very solid in the first game. Mm -hmm. You still have a lot of other quality bench options for Golden State. Not to mention the fact that Golden State's starting lineup is significantly better than Denver's, and I don't think Murray's going to play. So i got to factor that in, too, because he's off an ACL injury. He's got knee management. He got injured in the first game. Why the hell would you play him in the second game? Yeah. But I, I don't see him playing in this one, so Ish Smith might start. Have fun guarding Curry. But still, I'm going with Golden State. This team is so deep. This team is so well coached. The chemistry is there entirely. And from what I saw with Jokic, Porter, and Murray on the court together, they looked extremely uncomfortable because they had not played a game, all three of them together in over a year. And now Murray might not play. Give me Golden State. And this team's a world beater. I'm not going to pick you to win 60 plus games and then not take you four and a half against a Denver team that lost by 20 plus to Utah. And it's still on the road. Golden Mm -hmm. State had extra time to prep because they played on the first night of the season. I like the extra prep. They survive ring night. That's usually a tough ask. They were also were up 27 before they stopped caring. Give me Golden State. We saw them smack this Denver team in five in the playoffs last year. Give me Golden State. I think they win this game comfortably.
0: Yeah, I like Golden State here as well. Um, it's just a class difference right now right i think that the thing with the warriors is that it's the same group of guys right like they've played together for i don't know how many years now i know there was periods there where guys were injured and clay was out but at at the at the core of it they know how to play with each other i think we saw that on display in game one against the against the lakers um for the warriors and then like you just mentioned with the uh denver nuggets is that you got Jamal Murray back. You had Michael Porter Jr. back. Aaron Gordon hasn't really played with those two guys in a while. You had a new starter in KCP as well. The bench, not it's very gonna good. T- it's
1: going to take time to find the full rotations and the chemistry. And I
0: think him. that, I mean, we, we, we saw it on, on, on Twitter is when even Jokic, even though he was joking, but he was serious at the same time that he said, yeah, it's great to have Murray back, but he's going to suck for the first 20 games, but we're going to be all right. You know, I know he said it in a jokingly manner, but I think that he's not wrong. He's yeah, exactly. He's not wrong about it. So again, when we when you have a team that's again world champions played together, and you we just talked about how this Denver Nuggets team is still figuring out how to play with each other, with you know, two guys coming back from injury, KCP. Um, I think that this is gonna be a game where I think that, again the class is just gonna outshine with the Warriors against this Denver Nuggets team. I do love the over in this game. It's probably one of my favorite bets uh, of the night. I just think it's going to be a very fast up-and-down game. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of three-point shooting between these two teams, a lot of up-and-down. Um, but again, I, I just still feel like this is going to be a game where we probably see Warriors score in the upper 125 to 130 range. Do you have any thoughts on the total here at 229.5, Scott?
1: I'm going to lean to the over. I don't know how great I feel about it because I do think Golden State should run as much as possible because that's Mm -hmm. how Utah beat this team by 20 plus. They ran them into the ground and golden state wants to go fast anyway, but I think I'm going to lean to golden state team total over instead. I think there is a pathway for the warriors to absolutely clamp down on Denver. Denver barely broke a hundred against Utah. Like I I think that this offense has problems right now Mm -hmm. and they'll fix it at some point. I'm not fully concerned long-term, but short-term I think golden state could win this game handily And you could argue revenge spot because of what happened in the playoffs last year. Sure. I'm sure a lot of teams want revenge against Golden State. A lot of teams are not going to get revenge against Golden State. I don't think Denver needed an extra little motivational chip on their shoulder to beat the defending champions. I just don't think they're good enough right now. Golden State, I think, is the best team in the league right now. And I don't think it's very close.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. Um I was going to mention something. I just completely went over my head. And besides, pool um,
1: by the way, Clay Thompson wasn't very good either in the opener, yeah. and yet they still won comfortably. I don't. The Lakers are bad, but the Clippers. You know that game was close. The Lakers showed some heart. The Warriors absolutely killed them, and then you had the classic third quarter run. Do we see the pool party lineup again? It killed Denver in the playoffs last year. I don't know. There's a chance.
0: I think so. I mean, if you had success with it, why not go back to it, right? The point uh, is
1: there's a lot of versatility for Golden sure. State's lineups, and Denver doesn't have that luxury. Their backup yeah. center is DeAndre Jordan. That's oh, not God. good. That's yeah. not a good option as a backup center. So I'm going with Golden State. I really don't understand this line move, especially with Golden State being at home.
0: Yeah, I see Jordan pulls points prop right now at sixteen and a half for this game. I think that this is a number that definitely he will have a better shooting night here um mm-hmm. against the Denver Nuggets team. Um I don't think we need to mention it, but I think we should probably be auto betting third quarters for the Warriors. Yeah,
1: if it, it feels like an obligation at this point. Yeah. Nothing changed. They outscored the Lakers by what felt like ninety in the third quarter in that game because yeah. that, that got ugly very, very quickly.
0: Death taxes, Matthew Stafford interceptions, and Warriors third quarter spread. So that's all you need to know. All right, Scott, let's close it out strong here. Last game of the night, Phoenix Suns heading to Portland to take on the Blazers. Well, the Phoenix Suns are a five-point road favorite here. Total is sitting at 224. Money line minus 215 for the Phoenix Suns and plus 175 home underdogs for the Portland Trail Blazers. Uh, Looking at the injury report for both of the squads. For the Phoenix Suns, Landry Schammett's the only one that's going to be out. And then for the Portland Trailblazers, Gary well, Payton. technically the,
1: Crowder because he demanded a trade. Yeah, it's yeah. Still, yeah. You know,
0: um, Portland Trailblazers, Gary Payton II is uh, returning from competition reconditioning, whatever that means. Uh, Trendon Watford is also out. And then Oliver Oliver Sarr is also out with a right, uh, right uh, wrist brain. I I think the Gary Payton
1: designation is load management before the actual load.
0: Okay, for Gary Payton. It's like a
1: pregame for load management.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll keep that one in mind. Um, All right, uh, so let's start with the Phoenix Suns. They had that uh, come-from-behind victory against the Dallas Mavericks in their home opener uh, in Game 1, where it was really led by Damian Lee for the uh, Phoenix Suns there. They got the victory there, I believe it was, 102, 100, I think, in that neighborhood. Uh, No, sorry, 107, 105, I'm sorry. Um, And then the Portland Trailblazers went into Sacramento in their first game and got the victory there uh, over the Sacramento Kings. But now Phoenix Suns laying five points against Portland here. Scott, what are you thinking?
1: So I called out the Suns on Twitter in the first half, like most people did, because they no-show the entire first half in the ultimate revenge spot. They still didn't cover, so a lot of people still hate the Suns for not covering that game, including you. Yes. However, <laughs> I do like the Suns in the spot. Okay. The fact that they were able to come from behind by that big of a margin, they were down like 20. Like they were getting absolutely smacked in that first yeah. half. The fact that they came back and won, I think, is very big for morale and for overall confidence. And Portland, yes, they won it was a Mike Brown coaching bonanza in that second half because they got, they got killed in that second half against Portland. Yeah. Uh, Sacramento was winning at the half. Then got outscored by 11 in the second half. Fox wasn't very good down the stretch, but he still had 33, seven and seven Herger was good as well. So the starting backcourt for the Kings had 56 points and now I have to deal with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and potentially, you know, Damian Lee off the bench and, you know, all these other guys, but I do like Phoenix in the spot. Good for me. Congrats on beating Sacramento. But Phoenix, I do think, will be able to build off of that season opener in in a very emotional win, which I think we can agree that's what it was. Give me Phoenix minus five. They're the much better team. We know this. And I think that even though the the, uh, Trailblazers ended up beating the Kings, I didn't think Lillard looked great. In fact, I think Lillard actually looked pretty underwhelming. It's going to take him some time to fully get back. But Lillard Mm -hmm. went... Five for 18, yeah. one for eight from three. Mm-hmm. Simons was pretty good as well. Hart had a random 19 points. I don't see that happening again. Yeah. But Portland had four starters that scored at least 19 points. That's not happening against Phoenix's defense. Mm-hmm. Give me the Suns.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I forgot to mention, uh, Jeremy Grant also had a pretty good night for the... Um, yeah. But hit 10 of his 23 points came from the free throw line as well. And he only had 11 shots up. I was looking There at were a point. lot
1: of... Scoring numbers for Portland that I think are a bit unsustainable, comparing yeah. Sacramento's defense to Phoenix's.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I think that I, I do like the Suns here as well. Um, I, I, I think this is going to be a good, a, a game that I, we get a good gauge on what the Portland Trail Blazers are.
1: Um, it's not a blowout, but I think the Suns eventually. We we know the fourth quarter Suns are a real deal as well. Yeah. It's not as strong as third-quarter uh, Warriors, because that's been the case for about seven years. Mm-hmm. But fourth-quarter Suns were arguably the best fourth-quarter team of all time in the regular season last year. Yeah, I don't trust Portland down the stretch.
0: Um, did you find it curious that Chris Paul wasn't in the game for that final stretch, or is it that just a cap that he's only going to be playing 30 minutes a night and not more than that?
1: I think there is something to read behind that, just because Chris Paul sucked in the game like Mm -hmm. he was
0: really bad for the first
1: half onward so I think that could be something but it worked out I guess because Lee was good down the stretch but I think it is worth monitoring I'm also hoping Chris Paul bounces back maybe he's also potentially cooked we'll see but Chris Paul had six points and nine assists he was awful in the entire game so I think he might have potentially gotten benched or something wasn't right but still I'm hoping Chris Paul plays better I think he should he can't really play much worse Mm-hmm. But Booker could potentially go for like forty.
0: I was just game. looking at his point. I think bro. he's a
1: dark horse candidate to go for forty because Herter killed this team. Fox went for thirty three seven and seven. I know Booker kind of hurt his ankle a little bit in that game, but then he looked he looked fine the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. I really have questions about Phoenix, about a uh, Portland's backcourt defense because Lillard often injury is a bad defender, and yep. Simon statistically might be the worst defensive guard in the league. Yep. So I think that if you want to go for DFS lineups or props. Just take whichever guards are against Portland.
0: Yeah, uh, I was looking at Devin Booker's 27 and a half is his points prop right now for tonight.
1: Especially if um, Chris Paul's banged up, then Booker's going to have the ball in his hands all the time.
0: Yeah, and I think he played a, I want to say he played 40, sorry, yeah, he played 41 minutes yep. uh, in game one. Uh, 10 of 20 from the floor, 7 of 7 from the free throw line. He also had nine assists in that game as well. Uh, last but not least, any thoughts on the total here, 224?
1: I think I'm gonna lean to uh, actually I don't really have many thoughts on this one. Okay. Phoenix was playing so slow, but that's because Dallas has like the slowest pace in the league every year. Yeah. I think I'm gonna lean to the over, but it's mostly a Phoenix team total over. Yeah. I think they have the make I think they have the ingredients to really just cook this Portland defense.
0: Yeah, currently seeing their team total at one fourteen and a half for this game. All right. uh, Before we get into our lock and dog for the uh, Friday night games, let me tell you guys about uh, Fubo TV. If you watch football, you need Fubo TV. Fubo TV gives you complete coverage of college and pro football with NFL Red Zone, plus games in 4K at no extra charge. Over 100 channels of live sports and entertainment for a fraction of the price of cable. Watch on all your devices, and never miss a game or an episode of your favorite shows with the included cloud-based DVR. Plus, there's no contract, no commitment, and you can cancel at any time. Right now, you can try FuboTV free for seven days and get fifteen percent off your first month. Just go to fubotv.com/sgp. That's fubotv.com/sgp. Ross Robots by odds Trader. What is OddsTrader? OddsTrader is a place to compare odds from all major sports books. You can also compare the different signup codes and promotions from different sportsbooks to get the best deal. The app also provides player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for bettors to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker so bettors can keep track of your games and your betting activity. So to take advantage of this, all you got to do is go to OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. That's OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, Scott, let's get into our lock and dog for uh, the Friday games. I am going to call an audible here because our locks have not been very good since I've been leading off. I'm going to let you lead it off tonight. Maybe that changes the mojo for us, and we can uh, get some locks across the board. But, hey, our dogs have been doing pretty well. So uh, hopefully we can uh, get some locks across here. So what do you got for your lock-in dog?
1: So I was torn initially between the Warriors and the Pelicans, but the Pelicans' line went up. The Warriors' line went down. I'm not going to get scared off by it. I watched Denver play the entire game. I'm going with Golden State, minus 4.5. I think it's a great price at home with the best team in the league by far. Denver, just matchup-wise, I think, does not match up well with Golden State at all. We saw in the opener they couldn't guard the three. They also fouled the bunch. And Golden State, defensively, we know when Draymond's at center or even Looney. And now they have Wiseman as well. I, I just think that Golden State matches up so well at basically every position against Denver. Jokic, we know, is a decent defensive big man, but not when he's involved in every pick and roll, which Golden State will do. Porter's a bad defensive player. I mean, we could just say it, right? I mean, Michael Porter is not a good defensive player at all. Yeah. So I I think that Denver defensively is going to struggle in this game. They gave up 16 threes to Utah. I think the makings are there for Curry to go nuts, Poole to play well, Clay to get back on track. Uh, We saw Wiggins defensively was great as well. I just think Denver's outmatched here, and I think Murray might not play. If he does play, he's not at 100%, and Jokic – He's going to play. I wonder if the finger concern might you know, impact him slightly. We'll see. But I think he'll play a lot better than he did against Utah. But give me Golden State because this team, as far as I'm concerned, is an absolute freight train. And I picked them to be a freight train. So I got them winning 60-plus. So I think they'll win this game comfortably. I'll take Golden State minus 4.5. All
0: right. Lock for Scott. Minus 4.5 with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, what do you got for your dog?
1: So, my dog, I'm going to go with a player prop. I know I okay. mentioned a couple of actual sides that I potentially liked as underdogs. I'm not sure if I should play it safe or not. And it's actually kind of funny because Jake brought it up early. It's going to be involving Trey Young. The over eight and a half assists is around plus 110. Mm. However, I'm going to take Trey Young double double at plus 195. Okay. I really like that price at roughly two to one. And to go through the actual numbers, you mentioned before that Trey didn't shoot that well in the first game. It was a lower-scoring game than we expected, yet Trey still had 13 assists. On top of that, to go through Orlando's first game, Cade Cunningham had a double-double. And I do think if you're going to give up double-doubles to the point guard position in the season opener, then you're going to give me value on Trey. Just because I like Suggs as an athlete, and I do think that the guards for Orlando are not terrible, I still don't think they can actually hang with the shiftiness of Trey. And I do think that even though Murray also had good numbers – Trey's still going to have the ball in his hands more than Murray will. It's just the way it's going to be. But Cunningham at 10 assists in 35 minutes, and Detroit doesn't exactly play that fast. So I do think Atlanta could push the pace in this one. It should be close because we like Orlando to cover. But I do think when you're looking at an overall good matchup spot, I think Trey Young checks a lot of the boxes. Give me the double-double at plus 195. I saw nothing in the first game, which suggests that Trey should not finish with at least 18 and 10. I'll take the plus 195.
0: Yeah, look, both of those guys had double-doubles in their first game and you, we know that 95% or even 99% of the time, either one of those two guys are going to have the ball in their hand and they're going to have to make plays for them. So at plus 195 price where the uh their opponent the Detroit, sorry, um Orlando's opponent yeah, tonight, Orlando give it up to uh, Kate Cunningham. Uh I think that's a trend that we're going to have to keep watching and again, I think definitely we know he's going to score more than 10 points. There's no question about that, but uh, it's uh, more of the assisting. And I think that, I think they're going to the opportunities are going to be there for the, uh, for Trey young, at least in this game as well, Deshaunty Murray. So love that. All right. For my luck, I'm just going to be chalky here. Um, I got to do it, man. I know you mentioned it, but I'm going to take the Pelicans at minus six and a half. I think we just laid it out very perfectly is that this team is going to dominate inside the paint against, you know, mason plumley and pj washington with the likes of zion Valentunis, brandon ingram can get to the basket at will and cj mccullum can as well and it's just again i think the bench is better for the pelicans as well they're missing their second best or you can say a better best player in Lamelo ball i just don't think that the charlotte Hornets are going to be a great defensive team uh this season so pelicans minus six and a half for me i think they continue their domination um on their east coast trip here so i will take the pelicans minus six and a half for my dog um i did like the raptors here tonight as well
1: that that would have been my potential other choice i thought about maybe taking a real swing and going with like utah but i decided not to when i
0: was looking at
1: But, yeah, I I like Toronto in the game. I'm just going to go for a two-to-one press.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go Toronto. I think that's the the one I really, really liked here. Uh, So plus two and a half, plus 120 on the money line for the uh, Toronto Raptors as my dog. Again, we talked about how I think or we know that this Nets team is working through finding their, I guess, groove on offense, especially when you have a couple new starters in there, especially a dynamic player like uh, Ben Simmons who – we really don't know what he's going to bring every single night for you. So um, yeah, getting Joe Harris back is big, but again, when you have a team like the Raptors, whose core guys is between Siakam and Anobi throwing Scotty Barnes. I know it's the only second year. And also, Fred Van Bleed have played together for so many minutes last season. The continuity just makes too much sense for me not to take here uh, for the Toronto Raptors going up against the Brooklyn Nets here. So I think that they can, not only win this victory outright but i think they can probably do it some margin here as well so raptors plus 120 on the money line for me as my dog here scott
1: yep definitely like that play too all
0: right so that's going to do it for this edition of the nba gambling podcast um big uh, schedule in the nba tonight went about an hour and a half but yeah i think we get some great nuggets great some great picks hopefully we can uh, come across with some locks here tonight scott anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here my man
1: not really looking forward to the rest of the season i'm hoping that the clippers getting over the finish line for me personally was the turning point i needed to end a or at least a transition from a bit of a shaky start to get back on track so yesterday was good let's keep it rolling and let's make some money on friday
0: yeah hopefully we have a great night uh we will be back in some form or fashion on monday for the game so uh We'll do our best to get the PICS graphics up as well for the weekend games, since we don't pod for the weekend games. But, again, we'll be back Monday, recap everything that we saw, and get into the Monday schedule as well. Follow Scott on Twitter at Shell Radio. Follow the NBA Gambling Podcast account at SGPNNBA. Follow me on Twitter at SportsCert824. And, again, make sure to head over to the website, SportsGamblingPodcast.com. A lot of great stuff happening. And check out the merch store. It's 15% off when you use a promo code NFC beast uh, up until either the Eagles or the Giants lose. All right. Good luck with your picks. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Basketball.